Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna add ya. Tanagas, Fakata, Jag, like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Every day we've got more prospects to talk about, and honestly, I don't hate it. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on a Kokomo Friday, August 20th. Frank Stample here with Scott White, and I could use a pick-me-up, Scott, after finding out that my beloved New York Knicks wound up with the eighth overall pick in the NBA draft. Scott, fun fact, did you know that the Knicks are my favorite team, regardless of sport? I did not know that. That's interesting. Very interesting, Frank. <laughs> Again, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, but you can see this uh, little John Starks photo over my right shoulder. Yeah, that's my right shoulder. Scott, what's your favorite team, regardless of sport? Is it the Braves? It's the Braves. Yeah, okay. it's the Braves. And it's become more so recently because, you know, since having kids, especially little kids, they you know, require a lot of hands-on care they require a lot of attention even when they get out of that baby phase um and you know football's played on the weekends so the most time i have to spend with them is also the time football is coming on it's like they're not going to sit down and watch a football game with me so i've unfortunately you know lost a lost some of my enthusiasm for football the past few years i i don't think it's just that either i think honestly that falcons loss in the super bowl against the Patriots was oh, just gosh. so devastating. I'm like sorry. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wake up the next morning and be like, I'm not going to like football as much anymore, but I, I just can't, get, I can't quite get over that. I, I don't I blame don't, you. It, 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 it all seems pretty meaningless after that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't blame you. And as a Jets fan, um, I wish I knew what it meant to make a Super Bowl, but that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime or the next. Today on the show, we're helping you prep for next week, reviewing those prospects who got the call, and we're taking a look at Thursday's action as well. Answer me this, Scott. Who is your favorite two-star pitcher for next week rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues? It's Framber Valdez pretty easily. In fact, I have him among my must-start two-star pitchers. I've 15 of them for the upcoming week. I'm sure by the end of the weekend, it'll be a completely different number than 15 because, you know, 
that's just the way these things go. But right now, he's one of the 15 I consider must start against the Angels, against the Athletics. Okay, the matchups could be better, but like he just dominated a course field, you know, and over his five past four starts, all of them quality starts, he has an even one ERA, a 107 whip, exactly a strikeout per inning. And, you know, the sort of ground ball rate that could end up leading the league. So, Framber Valdez, if he's going to keep throwing strikes like he has so far, I think he's going to be really good. And there's no way I could imagine sitting him for a two-start week, regardless of the matchups. That's three straight quality starts for Framber Valdez. And if you go back to his fourth... Oh, I thought it was four. I thought I just said four. That was... uh, I believe that was a relief appearance, Scott. Remember when he came in and he threw like six and a third... But oh, it's basically okay. a quality start, so we okay. get it. Well, no, but you know, it's like a, it, it, if you're in a league that rewards quality start, you did not get a reward for that. Okay, it's it's a quality relief appearance. We'll go with that. <laughs> it's more than quality. It was it was very good. Uh, Scott, I like Pablo Lopez a lot. We've talked about him a ton recently. I don't know that he's floating out there in a ton of CBS leagues, but if he's on your team, I would start him. He's at Washington and he's at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. And I also really like Brad Keller, who's right around 50% rostered. We spoke about him on yesterday's show. He's going up against the Cardinals, and he's at the White Sox. It feels like this is too good to be true for Brad Keller thus far, but I could see him being at at least quality or close to it in those two starts. So those are a few other names I like. Yeah, those are my top... 10 sleeper pitchers for the upcoming week. Those are the top three. Framber Valdez, Pablo Lopez, and Brad Keller. Uh, another interesting two-start option. His ownership barely budged after his debut yesterday. It was Casey Mize. And uh, he gets the Cubs and Twins. Okay, that Twins tough matchup matchups. is obviously tough. Yeah. But uh, as good as he looked first time out and the fact he's making two starts... I'd be willing to run him out there. Yeah, I, I think you have to. But <laughs> twins are <laughs> twins are scary. Scott, let me ask you about Christian Javier, Framber Valdez's uh, teammate, who on Thursday, Javier was not great, and I think that was expected. You said that you would not stream him in Colorado, and that was the right call. Three and two-thirds, seven hits, three earned, two walks, five strikeouts. The swinging strike rate was a little bit better in this one. Nine swinging strikes on 78 pitches. Uh, same matchups for Valdez next week at home against the Angels and the A's. Would you run Christian Javier out in those two starts? I don't have him in the must-start category, but I think most people are going to be in a position where it just makes sense to start him. He gets a pass at Colorado. Every pitcher gets a pass at Colorado. I know we've had a lot of success starting high-end pitchers at Colorado, but, you know... He's not Lance Lynn. He's not Zach Gallen. He has still been very good most of the time, and I would I would put him out for the two-start week, yeah. All right, Scott, let's run through a few of these other names that are rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues, and you tell me whether or not you would be starting these names. Adam Wainwright is going up against the Royals and the Cleveland Indians on Thursday against the Reds. Seven innings, six hits, four runs. Only two of those were earned. Zero walks and four strikeouts. Wainwright's actually been pretty good. Yeah, he has. And he would have starts like this last year, too. The final numbers didn't end up so great. But he's he, he gives you a lot of volume. He's become a little more ground ball oriented in his old age. And especially with that KC matchup, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad start. It's the sort I would only do in a points league, though. And 
And obviously there's the matter of how do you get him on your roster? Cause he's probably not somebody you're rostering permanently. Yeah. I don't mind the Cleveland start either. Cleveland so far is yeah. in the bottom 10 in Woba as a team to start the season. So I don't, I don't mind either of those matchups. I agree. I would get him in, in a points league, uh, Spencer Turnbull, who was not great on Thursday, two innings, three earned four walks, zero strikeouts. He's going up against the Cubs and the twins, Scott. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest believer in Turnbull in the first place. I, I wonder if Chris's opinion has changed. But yeah, no, I, I would not. Even in a points league, I wouldn't go with Turnbull. All right, for the rest of these guys, you could just give me a yes or no. Johnny Cueto at home against the Dodgers and on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Points league only. Jake Arrieta at Washington and at home against the Atlanta Braves. No. Kyle Gibson at home against Oakland and the Dodgers. No. Trevor Williams at the Chicago White Sox and at the Brewers. No. Alex Young at home against the Rockies and at home against the Giants. This is probably my deepest sleeper for this week because he's rostered in only 12% of leagues and those are two very good matchups. He hasn't been pitching deep into games. I'm not confident his stuff would hold up if he did, but you know, if if you're having to dig deep into the pitcher pool, I think Alex Young's a a halfway decent choice this week. On Thursday, Alex Young against the Oakland A's, four innings, four hits, three runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. So again, not going deep. He was all right. It wasn't great by any means, but a deeper name that you can look at is Alex Young. Tommy Malone at the Tampa Bay Rays and at Toronto. Scott? I would not start him. Steven Brault at the Chicago White Sox and at the Brewers. I think I looked into Brault earlier, and he actually hasn't been terrible. I actually think he's been pretty good. I mean, this is like a deep name. We're t- he's, he's rostered in 2% of CBS leagues. I know his last start was pretty good. I, I think he only went four innings, though. Uh, five I innings, did... two hits, one walk, three strikeouts against Cleveland. Okay, so he went five. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's not enough for me to uh, to be interested in in playing him. Fair enough. Those are the two star pitchers. We'll jump back into some weekly planner stuff later on in the show. Uh, look at some hitters that we like, and we'll look at some single start streamers as well. The prospects that are on the way, Scott. We have Joey Bart, who's actually making his debut right now as we speak for the San Francisco Giants. We've talked about Bart a little bit uh, so far this season, and we were kind of waiting for him to come around. He is rostered in 37% of CBS League. Scott, what can you tell us about Joey Bart and what's the priority level for someone like him? How much fab would you spend on Joey Bart, say, in a two-catcher league? Well, it depends who my two catchers were. If if I was already content at those spots, I, I'd probably let Bart go to somebody else. It's Especially if you're talking about, about a fab league and a bidding war. Um, you know, you throw a very low bid at him just in case, but he shouldn't be a high priority for him if your catcher needs are already met because obviously you're not going to start a catcher eligible player somewhere else. But a lot of people probably need a catcher right now because even the good ones, with the exception of Real Muto, have been terrible. And now Mitch Garver's on the IL, so even if you're like me and we're holding out hope for him, you can't play him right now. So, yeah, there's a lot of need out there at that position. Now, like, person who has Gary Sanchez... Yasmani Grandal, Wilson Contreras, even though they've been bad to start the season, we we know who they are. We we know they're going to be among the best catchers, you know, over the next month. I, I 
We don't know that, I guess, because you can't. We hope. You can't, <laughs> we can't, you can't say anything with certainty over a month-long sample, but I would still bet on that. So if you have one of them, you're probably still fine at catcher. Uh, if you have anyone else, though, you know, maybe Kiner Falefa in a points league specifically, and maybe even a Roto as much as he's running, you can still feel pretty good about him. Uh, uh, otherwise, though, like I don't have a lot of confidence in Pedro Severino long term or Travis Darno. They've both they've they've performed well to this point, but I I'm not really believing in them. So I'm not saying you drop them for Bart, but uh, might still pick up Bart. I, I didn't I didn't actually put a number on the Fab dollars. If you need a catcher, I think fifteen to twenty percent of your budget makes sense on bart uh hang on 15 to 20 percent of your budget in a two I mean, catcher mo- in a two catcher league of, i could see it and most of my fab leagues i'm down to only 20 percent of my budget left <laughs> so that's why i'm i'm uh i'm i'm hesitating to put it that way you know obviously you may not want to go down to zero for him uh but you'll have to obviously assess that for yourself a uh, reminder that Joey Bart is the top prospect for the Giants, and he's the top catching prospect in baseball in 2019, 79 games between high A and double A. He had 278 with an 824 OPS and 16 home runs. So, Scott, you wouldn't drop like Yasmani Grandal for Bart because we actually received that question earlier on. If, no, I won it. I won it. And, and obviously, we're, we're, we're talking about a fab league specifically. You can be a little freer with your moves in a straight ad drop league where you're not competing with anyone else. You're not having to expend an, an asset for them other than the player you're giving up. But I want to do Grandal either way. So I don't know where, if you moved them up yet in your rankings, Scott, but I moved them up to 15 at catcher and just ahead of him. Tell me, you know, if I'm off base here, you can feel free to disagree. I have just ahead of Joey Bart. I have Pedro Severino, Austin Nola, Sean Murphy, and Yadier Molina. Just behind Bart, I have Martin Maldonado, Omar Narvaez, and Carson Kelly. So basically, if you have those three, I would drop those for Bart. But Severino, Nola, Sean Murphy, Yadi, I would rather I have sh- those guys over him. I am shocked you have Martin Maldonado that high. <laughs> Let he's me been just good. Say. He's been pretty good, Scott. <laughs> he, he's been, in the absence of anything else good, he has managed to be one of the top 10 performers at the position so far, but not, not because he's actually done anything good and he obviously won't. Um, but I would actually put Bart higher than that. I would slot him. I, I told somebody I'd drop Wilson Ramos for him. So that would put him about ninth for me, Joey Bart. And look, I don't, that, that is as much a reflection of how I feel about the catcher position right now, as it is about how I feel about, Bart, I mean, Bart is a rare kind of catcher prospect. He's a former second overall pick, right? And like, this is, he just, he just zoomed to the majors. Like you rarely see a catcher prospect reach the majors as quickly, especially when you consider the amount of time he missed to injury. And like, you could, you could look at that in a bad way. Oh, was he really ready? Or you could look at a good way. Like this is, this is the kind of talent level this guy has. And it's especially difficult for a catcher to break into the majors and make an impact right away because it's such a demanding position defensively. Uh, but like if if Bart 
does it, then like, you know, this is your only shot at him and he could be a stud the rest of the way. It, it's possible he's a stud the rest of the way. That's obviously not what I think is the most likely scenario, but you have to uh, treat it as if it's a possibility. The Marlins are calling up their top pitching prospect, Sixto Sanchez, who came over in the JT Real Muto trade, and their top outfield prospect, Jesus Sanchez. So for Sixto, career in the minors, 2.58 ERA, 102 whip. Scott, is he a must-own pitcher, and how much fab would you spend on him? I think he is must-have, and... um, everybody needs more pitching, right? There's only 40 to 50 good ones. That's not enough to go around. Everybody could use the Sixto. Everybody should want to take the flyer on Sixto Sanchez in case he meets the full extent of his upside right away. Um, so, you know, I if I needed a catcher, I might prioritize Bart over him if if that was a specific need of mine. So I'm thinking more like 10% for Sanchez, but like somebody in your league should absolutely pick up Sanchez. It's interesting in that, like he's kind of the opposite of what I was saying about Dane Dunning yesterday. Like Sixto Sanchez, highly regarded prospect. All the scouting reports love him. They rave about his stuff. I've seen him compared to Jose Fernandez a few times. And that was, you know, when he was still in the Phillies organization. So it wasn't just a lazy Marlins comparison. Uh, But like not, hasn't been a big strikeout guy in the minors. I wonder if it's like my theory with Casey Mize is he was just so much better than his competition in the minors that he never had to work deep enough into counts never allowed enough base runners to have the kind of strikeout per inning rate that that would be, you know, a big deal. Uh, and and so I think there may be a little of that going on with Sixto Sanchez too. Also just, you know, as a player develops, he, he, he learns to, as a player develops, he learns to sequence his pitches better and learns how to be more of a bat misser. I think Sanchez absolutely has the arsenal to be that. And, you know, a good example of a pitcher who became that was Aaron Nola, um, but at the very least, Sixto Sanchez should put the ground, the ball on the ground a lot. And he'll be in a good pitcher's park. And, you know, if he can be anywhere close to a strikeout per inning, that's going to make him a usable fantasy option. Somebody who's in that top 45, top 40, uh, you know, with the chance he's even better than that. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about Sixto Sanchez. I would drop Tariq Scooball for him just to give an example of of uh, the kind of move I would make. Yeah, and Sixo Sanchez does really a lot of what you're looking for in a pitcher. I mean, he's had really good command in the minors. Um, the strikeouts haven't been there. Scott spoke spoke about that. The ground ball rate in his past three levels, 52.3%, 60.5%, 47.9%. So a lot of ground balls, good command. Uh, it's what you want out of a pitcher, and uh, he has a good home park to pitch in as well, considering Marlins Park. Scott, all right, you already said that you would take him over Tariq Skubal. Where would he rank among this group? Casey Mize, Brad Keller, Kevin Gausman. So Mize first. And then well, let's see, let's see the update on Gausman's performance. A lot of strikeouts again, but you know, not gonna come out with a good ERA or whip this game. So more of the same from Gausman today against the Angels. Uh I would go 
I think I would go Sanchez too, actually. I'd go my Sanchez, then Keller, then Gosman. Yeah, I don't hate that. Someone actually asked me earlier, would you drop Rich Hill for 6-0 Sanchez, Scott? Somebody asked me that on Twitter too. And while I think it's more likely, I think the most likely scenario is Rich Hill is better than Sixto Sanchez from today forward. I think that's the most likely scenario. However, now might be your only chance to get Sanchez. And it's very likely if you're in like a 12-team league or less that you drop Rich Hill and he just stays out there. You sneak him through. You 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 monitor him from a distance. So I think the aggressive play would be to drop Rich Hill for Sanchez and I could get behind that in a shallower league. The other prospect the Marlins are calling up, Jesus Sanchez, once one of the most coveted prospects in baseball. He's tumbled a little bit last year across AA and AAA, 260 batting average, a 723 OPS, 13 homers with five steals. Scott, are there any leagues where you think it's imperative to grab Jesus Sanchez? Imperative, no. I, you know, in a five outfielder league, especially a deeper, like 15 team league. There's upside here for sure. And sometimes sometimes with a, a player who gets good scouting reports, but the production isn't there in the minors, he kind of takes off once he reaches the majors. That that's that's happened a few times. So can't rule it out. But based on based on what we've seen from Sanchez in his minor league career and the way he's kind of fallen in the prospect rankings, that's that's not a priority add. Uh not until he starts doing something anyway. The last name is Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie, shout out to Chris Towers. I know this is a name that he mentioned. I believe it was on Monday's podcast. He's coming up for Cleveland. He missed all of 2019 and part of 2018 with forearm and back strains in Double A back in 2018. A 268 ERA, 101 WHIP, 87 Ks, over 90 and two thirds innings pitch. Scott, what can you tell us about Tristan McKenzie? And do you think he'll remain in the rotation? Is this like a spot start? <laughs> Is it just until, I don't know, this punishment with Clevenger and, and Plesak is over? What do you got? I, I don't know. Did anybody go on the IL for, for Cleveland? Because if somebody went on the IL and they didn't call up Clevenger or Plesak, that's troubling. I mean, they weren't eligible to come off in time for Saturday unless somebody went on the IL. So that, you know, they, they had they, Cleveland had to call up somebody. The problem with Tristan McKenzie is... I haven't seen him pitch since 2018 at double A when he was 20 years old, missed all of last season with an injury, um, an arm injury. I can't remember specifically what it was. So I, I have no idea who's stepping onto that mound for Cleveland. I knew he used to be a pretty highly regarded prospect, but all the health issues and, and kind of the big leap he's making after a long layoff, um, I, I don't have particularly high hopes. Obviously, name to know, performance to monitor, but I'm not rushing to grab out, rushing out to grab Tristan McKenzie. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if they sent him back down right after he made the start with the idea that they're going to call up Plesak and or Clevenger in the near future. Scout team fodder is Tristan McKenzie for now. I'm looking at the transaction list for Cleveland. The last thing that they did was two days ago. On August 18th, they were called Greg Allen. Sandy Leone's roster status changed by Cleveland. Just the last thing I see. So I don't see anyone on the IL, Scott. So we shall okay. see 
what happens. Uh, real quick, you mentioned Tristan McKenzie could get sent down right after his start. Same thing happened with Dane Dunning, man. Like, this is so annoying, Scott. He was sent back to his alternate site, and we just waxed poetic about how good he looked on the mound for the White Sox on Wednesday. The They don't need a fifth man in the rotation until September, plus there's talks that Ronaldo Lopez could return this weekend. Manager Rick Renteria had this to say regarding Dane Dunning. Want to keep him working, so he's going to keep working, and then we'll see where we're at when we get to that point again. This young man's pretty good. We've always liked him, and unfortunately, the injury bug got him a little bit. But I thought he showed very, very well yesterday. This sucks, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be back. He'll be back sooner than later. I'm pretty confident in that. I, uh, you know, obviously my enthusiasm to add him went down once I saw that he got sent down and is at least going to be skipped one turn. So, yeah, I mean, I can't say he's must roster at this point anymore, but if you did pick him up, if you can't afford to hold on to him, I think it's a smart idea. Drop him for Sixto Sanchez, right, Scott? Yes. All righty. This, now, this is the latest we've actually done this, but let's, uh, let's hear it, Susan. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Who do you got, Scott? A standout from Thursday's action. Well, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with something that probably we wouldn't get brought up unless I did it now. And that's James Karinchak, who set up for Brad Hand, who pitched a uh, clean ninth inning, struck out two, got a seventh save. I don't think Brad, Brad Hand's on the verge of losing his job, but I just, this, this stat, I happened to see it today and it made me laugh out loud. So I'm going to share it now. James Karinchak and his setup role only got one save so far. Uh, when Brad Hand needed a day off. But 26 strikeouts so far for James Karinchak. Four hits allowed. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's awesome. And that's in 13 and two-thirds innings, by the way, those 26 strikeouts. Yeah, he is awesome. Uh, That's it. That made me say, oh, my goodness gracious. That is, that's fair. Scott, I'm going to be greedy with this one. I'm going to go with two names here because I think they're both worth mentioning and they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Lucas Giolito. Did he ever need to bounce back? Well, he got it here against the Detroit Tigers. Seven shutout innings, three hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 110 pitches. No worry about Giolito. We said that better matchups were coming. I know that he is set to face the Pittsburgh Pirates next week. And then on the other side, the other end of the world, Herman Marquez at home against the Astros. This one, this is the one where I actually said, oh my goodness gracious, when I saw his line today, Scott. Five innings, 10 hits, 10 earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Yikes. Two starts next week, one at home against San Diego and one on the road at Arizona. Uh, after you see something like this, Scott, do you still roll him out there for two starts? <laughs> I think I do. I don't think there was anything wrong with him. Uh, like I said, everybody deserves a pass for Coors Field. I, I felt like I had become the Coors Field whisperer because I correctly recommended starting Lance Lynn there and Zach Gallen there and correctly recommended not starting Christian Javier there. But I did recommend starting Her- Herman Marquez for this start and that that went very poorly. And the thing is, like that was the rule 
for Marquez last year, the rule coming into this year, only start him on the road. But he had made two home starts prior to this one. They were both good. One of them was great. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We sh- I, I, I'm not sure we need to go back to that being the rule. We'll, we'll see how. We'll see how well he bounces back from this start. Uh, it's just the thing that happens at Coors Field sometimes will happen to him or anyone else pitching there sometimes, and it happened today. Some news and notes. Let's run through this because we have a lot to get to, Scott, and not a lot of time. The Mets reportedly have a pair of positive COVID cases, which postponed Thursday's game against the Marlins. Friday's game against the Yankees has also been postponed. I assume that the whole that whole series, the Subway series this weekend against the Yankees, will be postponed. But I might be wrong, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I assume it will too. If no other positive tests turn up during that time, just based on what we saw with the way the Reds were handled uh, when they didn't have, they only had like one case, right? Um, yes. Yeah. As, as long as new t- as long as new cases aren't popping up, I think they'll be ready to go for the start of next week. But that's, yeah, that's going to make you a little concerned starting your Mets heading into this upcoming week. And it would also affect, let's see, the two teams they're facing are the Marlins and the Yankees. So, you know, it's definitely something. I just, I just want to have one week where we go into it and we don't have to worry about any team having to miss games. And so far it hasn't happened. Yeah. I wish. I mean, we'll we'll just keep wishing, Scott. Hopefully, there's there's another week after that. <laughs> let's let's see what happens uh, moving forward. Speaking of the Yankees, gosh, I feel like I should just get a bunch of band aids and put them all over this Derek Jeter up here. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, an MRI for James Paxton. Apparently, dealing with a forearm elbow injury doesn't sound great. Probably explains why the velocity is down. Glaber Torres exited Thursday's game with a hamstring injury, and Zach Britton was placed on the IL. Yeah, I think if you needed a reason to drop Zach Britton, I think this makes it pretty easy because uh, Aroldis Chapman is back and I assume he'll have a chance to completely solidify that closer role before Britton returns. Uh, Paxton's the most concerning here because this could be the, 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 um, you know, the instigator for like a surgery or something. So season-ending injury. And uh, as the struggles he's had so far this year, it really wouldn't surprise me. I'm not, obviously you got to wait and see what the MRI turns up, but I'm not particularly hopeful about his situation rest of season. Alex Bregman has been moved to the IL with this hamstring injury. Abraham Toro started at third base on Thursday. He was batting seventh in the lineup. He finished one for four with a three-run home run in Coors Field. He is 5% rostered. The Astros have seven games next week. So if you are in a deeper league and you need a corner infielder, Abraham Toro is someone you might want to look at. Byron Buxton was placed on the IL with left shoulder inflammation. This really came out of nowhere. I didn't really see anything just kind of like popped up, but Byron Buxton, Mr. Glass, basically. <laughs> Jake Cave was in center field. He was batting sixth on Thursday. Cave is 1% rostered on CBS. The Twins play seven games next week. So another name to look at if you are in deeper leagues, cheap exposure to a really good Twins lineup. Also, I don't think it would be surprising if this 
Byron Buxton, I, I'm trying to think of the same word I was trying to think of before, and I can't think of it. If this Byron Buxton injury was the what? The thing precursor? that motive, Precursor? That might be it. That might be the word I'm looking for. I think so. I don't, I don't think it quite is, but it, it's close enough. And uh, Alex Kirilov could be the next prospect promoted, or Royce Lewis could be, who was getting some time at center field uh, in the preseason. So two big prospects there for the Twins that now that we're this deep into the season, we could see them roll with instead of Jake Cave. Sandy Alcantara looked, quote, really good during his simulated game Thursday. Remember, Alcantara had a great start on opening day against the Phillies. He's rostered in 67% of CBS leagues. He might be floating around out there, so just check to make sure he's not available. Willie Calhoun and Elvis Andrews were both placed on the IL for the Rangers. Charlie Morton is nearing a bullpen session and could be activated this weekend. Speaking of being activated, Miguel Rojas was activated from the IL. He didn't get to play on Thursday because the game against the Mets was postponed. J.D. Martinez returns to the lineup for the Red Sox. Anthony Rendon is dealing with a sore left wrist, but plans to play through it. And Eric Hosmer hit a grand slam on Thursday. And the Padres have now hit a grand slam four games in a row. That is the first Uh, time that has been done in MLB history. So take that, Chris Woodward. Chris Woodward. He meddled and he awakened an ancient evil with his meddling. And it's it's the curse of the Grand Slam. This will afflict the Rangers forevermore. Every game, they will give up a Grand Slam. It doesn't matter if it's a seven-run lead. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a two-run lead. It could be a 16-run lead. A Grand Slam is coming. Congratulations, Chris Woodward, on your meddling. Chris, would you say that... Uh, I just called you Chris after you <laughs> just... You know, went all out on Chris Woodward. Scott, would you say that this is the curse of the Grandino? It's an ancient curse and evil one. I don't know how I could talk about an ancient evil curse and not break into this voice. It just seems too perfect, Frank. All right, Scott. The evil, the curse. You you just earned yourself three tweets and three emails of people complaining about your voice changer. They're not going to like that. (laughs) Slap on the wrist. Email of the day. This one's from Utah Tang. I just want to let you guys know, I used Zach Wheeler to trade for Luis Castillo. Um, There you go. There you go. In the words of the great Justin Bieber, never say never. Zach Wheeler for Luis Castillo. Also, you can't can't overestimate general fantasy baseball player. uh, Someone also emailed us today asking why we're still talking about trades because their trade deadline passed. We should have mentioned this, but if your league's deadline ended this week or is about to end, you should probably just push that back a little bit longer. Remember, guys, yeah. it's a shortened season. I think most of my leagues have pushed it back to Monday, August 31st, and I think that's a fair time to do it. And that's exactly the way it played out. Is like, oh, the trade deadline's today. You guys want to push it back? And everybody said yes. So, like, <laughs> you don't have to uh, stand on, uh, you know... Just, just put it out there and see what happens. All right, Scott, let's hit some of these Thursday standouts. I've created a few clusters, groups of players, and hopefully this works out and makes sense. It makes sense in my mind. Buy or sell. Kyle Tucker is a top 40 outfielder rest of season. I want to apologize to Kyle Tucker and his fantasy owners out there. I've been doing a lot of apologizing recently, I just realized, between Trevor Bauer and Kyle Tucker. Uh, we didn't mention what he did on Wednesday. Four for five with a home run, four RBI, 
And on Thursday, he followed that up going two for four with a triple, two runs, and two RBI as well. Yeah. He's playing, I would assume he's playing everyday rest of season. He is 64% rostered. I think that number needs to be higher. I think Kyle Tucker is just getting ready to explode, Scott. He has an 861 OPS against left-handed pitching. Yes, he's been better against lefties than righties. And, you know, with the Orton Alvarez being out for the year, I think Michael Brantley's currently on the IL. Of course, Alex Bregman. Like, there's no reason for him to come out of the lineup now, Kyle Tucker. And uh, three three triples in the last two days. I'm sure a lot of that's Coors Field related, but it's still it's still fun. Top 40 outfielder rest of, se- of, rest of season. Buy or sell, Scott? I know I don't have him ranked that way, so I'll have to sell. But there's certainly the potential for it. Yeah, I, I think you can make the argument that he's in that mix of Jesse Winker, Dom Smith, mm. uh, a lot of names that I like. So, outfield is we're we're in a we're in a nice little place with outfielders right now. I like where we're at. Some waiver wire fodder from Thursday. Brendan Rodgers started. He went 0 for five with two strikeouts. It's not really what you want to hear if you're trying to add someone off the waiver wire. He is 21 percent rostered, Scott, but he did play which I thought was noteworthy for Brendan Rodgers. And also a Colorado Rocky, Rymel Tapia, went one for two, four walks in the leadoff spot. He is 8% rostered. The Rockies have seven games next week. He has now started nine games in a row, and he's batting 311. So, Scott, any interest in Tapia or Brendan Rodgers? Uh, yeah, I mean... Especially Rodgers. There's there's a ton of upside for Rodgers, as we talked about yesterday. So it's a matter of him getting a chance to play and performing when he does, which he clearly didn't today. I don't have a lot of hopes for Tapia, to be honest. I think I think he could be a good source of batting average if he plays regularly enough, but I'd rather I'd rather him not. Like I don't want to see him take the leadoff spot away from Garrett Hampson. This was the first game Garrett Hampson sat out. Oh gosh since august 15th so he had he had been he had established himself as a regular for the rockies kind of cooled off and now they're mixing it up again because this is what they do mike talkman went two for five with a run scored he stole another base he now has five steals on the season the problem is got the yankees only play five games next week and i wouldn't be surprised if by the next time we see them aaron judge is back so i thought it was worth bringing up talkman but i don't know how realistic it is to add him and on that same note, with the Yankees playing only five games, uh, Clint Frazier is only one for 12 this week. Only one strikeout, so I'm not sure. He may deserve better than he's gotten, but it's you're probably not going to start him next week based on the way this week has gone. Andrew McCutcheon, this is probably more so in shallow, shallow leagues, uh, some 12-team Head-to-head points leagues, he might be floating around out there, but that's his best format, is, is a points league. He went four for eight in the doubleheader, four RBI. He's getting hot. I saw the batting average is up over 250 now, and he's leading off for a pretty good Phillies lineup. I believe he has scored a run in like five or six straight games. 62% rostered, Scott. What is your interest level in Andrew McCutcheon? It probably doesn't need to go up yet. Okay, I, I think he's more interested. His skill set is lends itself more to points leagues than Roto and obviously breaking into a points league lineup is much harder for an outfielder. So he he'll need to, he'll need to get hotter than this. Two starting pitchers from Thursday, Scott Spencer Howard at Toronto slash Buffalo three and two thirds, five hits, one earned two walks, five strikeouts. He didn't go deep, but he actually did look better in this start. 10 swinging strikes 
on 67 pitches. He is 41% rostered. Nathan Avaldi, someone that you have talked a lot about, he was at Baltimore, bounced back in a big way. He got rocked his last time out against the Yankees. Seven innings of one-run ball, six strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. He is 67% rostered. Avaldi and Spencer Howard, Scott. So Avaldi threw his curveball 21% of the time in this game. So that's three straight games where he's prominently featured it. An off-speed, a true off-speed pitch for a guy who's been all power all the time, and it might, it might be what rounds out his arsenal in the way that finally gets the most out of his potential. I'm very encouraged by the way things are going for Avaldi, Howard. Yeah, I mean he showed a good fastball. I, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty lukewarm on Howard right now. I'm not saying he doesn't have a bright future, but this is this is just going to be a really hard year, I think, for pitching prospects. You know, for as much as we just talked up Sixto Sanchez, it, I think it's going to be a really difficult year for pitching prospects to really gain a foothold because they're not getting the sort of workload to step in and and you know pitch like a true starter right away when they do get called up and. You know, they take any lumps along the way, and it's just a lot of three and two-thirds inning starts. Howard is behind Sixto and Casey Mize, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, his performance has dropped him out of that group. So it's like, we'll take the new, the new thing coming in to see if he's better than Spencer Howard, which is not super scientific way of doing things, but I think it makes sense in this season, especially when we're looking at just like what five weeks left? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's like we are approaching the midway point of the season, which is crazy. It just started. Yadier Molina, two for four, three RBI. He is sixty-two percent rostered. Scott, would you rather have Yadi or Joey Bart? Bart. Do you think it, it Yadier Molina is worth owning in a one catcher league? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I said, I'm putting Bart ninth. I might put Molina like 10th or 11th. So yeah, sure. Mitch Moreland, two names in deeper leagues. We, I, I think it's probably time to talk more about them. Mitch Moreland, a three-run homer on Thursday, his seventh of the season. He has three multi-hit games in a row. He is 38% rostered. Wilmer Flores, two more hits as of now. That might have went up. I'll, I'll check in on that. He hit his sixth home run of the season, four more RBI on Thursday. He is 26% rostered. Scott, what is your interest level in Moreland and Wilmer Flores? It's not especially high in either. I mean, Wilmer Flores, his... Wilmer Flores now has three hits on Thursday. His his batted ball data, his approach, it doesn't really look any different from what it how it's always looked. And I, I've always thought he was kind of underrated as a player. Not a super high ceiling, but makes a lot of contact and isn't a zero for power. And, you know, he's obviously getting a chance to play a lot more for the Giants this year. And I think it's made him a respectable fantasy option. I mean, it's not going to sustain quite this production all season long, but I think he's, I think he's an adequate option in the same way. Like, uh, uh, the, the Orioles second baseman is Hanser Alberto. Yeah. That's his name. Thank you. Um, and as Drupal Cabrera, like he's in that class of infielder, Wilmer Flores is for me. Moreland is, I don't think Moreland has a single start against the left-handed pitcher this year. So that platoon's working out 
great for him. I mean, in terms of making his numbers look awesome, but it outside of daily leagues with really deep benches, I just don't see a lot of utility for for Moreland's. Another guy who obviously can't sustain the pace he's been on so far. For Moreland, the Red Sox play six games next week, and two of those are against lefties. So you might only get four games out of Mitch Moreland if you if you're getting excited about him. But it feels like every single year there's like a week or two or a month where Mitch Moreland is awesome, and a month this year is half the season. But ultimately, I'm you with you, Scott. On I'm not so far. I'm not very excited about either. But they should be owned in yeah. you know like 14 team leagues or deeper. I think that is. Fair to say. Some signs of life. Jose Altuve, back-to-back multi-hit games. He was batting second in both of those. Uh, I don't know if they want him there. It's just based on everyone who's gone down for the Astros. They don't really have a choice. Uh, Vlad, in two games, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that is, in two games on Thursday, he went three for six with two walks. And I heard the radio broadcast say that he did not put a single batted ball on the ground. So, progress. I guess, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Lourdes Gurriel, seven hits over his last four games. He hit a home run on Thursday. Cody Bellinger, back-to-back days with a home run. He is now up to six. And Jose Barrios, talk about a bounce back. Six shutout, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, just one hard-hit ball off of him against the Brewers on Thursday. Altuve, Vlad, Lourdes Gurriel, Bellinger, Barrios. Anything you want to add there, Scott? I don't know why I said burr for burritos because that, you know, whatever the opposite. What do you say when you're getting burned? Youch! Because <laughs> it was, he was hot today doing his thing there. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't really that concerned about burritos and, you know, him and him and Giolito, the way they bounced back today is, it should be a relief to everybody because, the way they were today, I think, will be more often than not, than not the way they are going forward, and you should just stick with both. Uh, we, we did mention Giolito earlier, but I want to point out for him, you know, there was some concern about the whiff rate being down on his changeup, and his velocity was a little down too, but they were both back today. He got 21 string, swinging strikes. Giolito did 11 were on the changeup, and the velocity on the fastball was back up to where it was last year too. So he... And he was working with, uh, I think he was working with James McCann. I, I read something on Twitter about how they're going to try to stick with that combo going forward because it just, it seems like Giolito gets better results with McCann. As good of a defensive catcher as Grandal is. These names stayed hot on Thursday. Sonny Gray at St. Louis, six innings, four hits, two earned, four walks, which we're not used to seeing out of Gray, and six strikeouts. I saw this stat, and I thought it was awesome. He set a major league record with 39 consecutive starts, allowing six hits or fewer. That is Sonny Gray. So he's inside my top 10 rest of season starting pitchers. He's inside Scott's top 10. I think you can expect more of that out of Sonny Gray. Shane Bieber at the Pirates. Six shutout, 11 strikeouts, zero walks. He's now up to 65 strikeouts to just just six walks this season. Uh, Low-key, Didi Gregorius has been... Really good this year. Three more hits on Thursday. He is batting 315. Eloy Jimenez is on an absolute tear. Three more hits on Thursday, including his eighth home run. He is now batting 275, so he's got that batting average up. Luke Voigt, he's the only one that's hitting for the Yankees. He's really the only one that's healthy, too. Uh, three more hits on Thursday. Now has five homers over his last four games. And I have a little note here, Scott. 
I think it's time to consider moving him ahead of Carlos Santana, Max Muncie, and Josh Bell in points leagues. I don't know if that's too reactionary, but I kind of just think this is who Luke Voigt is. I think he's just a really good player. Yeah, I've wrestled with that too, especially if you're talking specifically points leagues, Carlos Santana, with all the walks. He's just always so bankable in that format. And like that, and in terms of walks and strikeouts, that's kind of who Josh Bell is too, not to quite the extent Santana is. But it's it's like their skills are so perfect for that points format that I'm reluctant to do it. But at the same time, like where am I doubting Voight at this point? Like you're saying, um, you know, he's obviously not going to sustain this home run pace for a full season, but hits the ball. Like we know, he, we know the power's definitely there. We know he hits the ball really hard. We know uh, at, at one point I was worried about what his strikeout rate was, but now it's, you know, after a few games of not striking out, it's back to where it was last year. So that's not even really a concern with Voight anymore. He just looks like a stud first baseman. So I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I don't know exactly why I'm holding out. It's more because I still think those other players are good than because I think Voight is not good. Yeah, but the I would my argument there would be those players can also be good and Voight just might be better than them at least this season, but we'll see if he keeps up this type of production. He's not going to keep up this home run pace like you mentioned, but it's a great lineup. It's a great park to hit in. He looks like he's in tip-top shape, lost some weight in the offseason, so it looks good, Luke Voigt, right now. Clayton Kershaw at the Mariners, seven innings of one-run ball, 11 strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes on 96 pitches outside of one bad outing against the Giants. He's been awesome. And on the other side, Scott, the one run that he allowed, Kyle Seeger hit his fifth homer. He's batting 301 with a 939 OPS. Kyle Lewis went one for three with a walk. He's batting 351 with a 944 OPS. Is it time to revisit the Kyles? In Seattle, Scott. Look, I am still not buying into Kyle Lewis. I am still not oh, seeing come on, Scott. anything that supports the production. Come on. I mean, players have gotten hot for a month before and then have dropped off a cliff, and I am fearful of that happening for Kyle Lewis. I, Kyle Seeger's always been a halfway decent hitter, and his strikeout rate's like cut in half this year. I don't know if he can sustain that, but if he's making contact that much more often, yeah, he, it makes sense that he would go from decent to good. So, um, I, you know, I'm going to bet he slows down eventually too and ends up being kind of fringy in mixed leagues, but I have a little more hope for him and I certainly understand why, like he should probably be rostered in every league at this point, even if, you know, the people listening themselves may not be able to find a spot for him. The exit velocity for Kyle Lewis is not great. It's 87 exactly. miles per hour, but it still has a 283 XBA and a, and a 488 X slug. He's hitting a lot of line drives, according to Fangraphs, at least a 25% line drive rate. He's walking a lot, 12%. Strikeouts are down drastically this year, 25% compared to 38% last year. Yeah, that has improved a lot since the first couple weeks. I kind of, I kind of buy it, man. Like, not this good. He's not going to be a three fifty hitter, but right. Can he be a two seventy hitter rest of season? I think it's, I think it's possible. 
Yeah, we'll see if he keeps that strikeout rate down because that would change things. If he's more of a 25% strikeout guy than a 35% strikeout guy, I, I, I could see him being an asset all year. But like even the 25% strikeout guys, like, that, that's still not a great strikeout rate. And the players who are good with that kind of strikeout rate make much harder contact than he has. So... I don't know. We'll see. I am. I remain a. I remain a Kyle Lewis skeptic. All right, let's hit the break. But first, let me remind you that sports are back, and the Stitcher app is one of the best platforms to consume sports podcasts. They even have a new collection on the homepage of their app for the return of sports, where FBT, this podcast, and Pick Six are both featured. Stitcher makes it incredibly easy to build playlists for your favorite podcast. So just think about that. You can have a playlist with. FBT, Fantasy Football Today with Adam and Dave and Jamie, Pick 6, First Cut, all the great podcasts at the CBS Sports Podcast Network, and it's all in one place. It's a really nice feature. Make sure to download Stitcher for free in the App Store today. And after you do that, continue to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash today. Once again, thank you for your support. When we come back, we'll hit on a few bullpen notes a few more cheat sheet items for next week will help you set your lineups. And we have to answer these Apple Podcast review questions, Scott. So I will do that first thing when we come back from break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. We're answering your Apple Podcast review questions. Sorry we're a little late on these. Continue to drop some of your questions on Apple Podcast review. Give us a five-star review as well. I just said a review way too many times, so I'm just going to start reading. This one's from Damn I'm Lazy. 12-team head-to-head categories, 7x7 OPS and Ks for hitters. I have room for two of the three. Jock Peterson, Mark Canna, Austin Slater. What do you think? Well, I don't think Austin Slater... Okay. I mean, this is pretty easy. Mark Canna's obvious. He's the everyday player of the three, and he's been, he hasn't been spectacular yet, but he's been good enough that I wouldn't rule out him being spectacular soon. Uh, eh, I mean, Jock, the, the thing is, like, I, I could see Austin Slater becoming an everyday player, but I have no reason to believe he is yet. And he's, I don't know, I think I'd prefer him to Peterson at this point. I'd, I'd take the chance on Slater uh, emerging as a more consistent more consistently playing than Peterson. I agree. So, I agree later. I agree with that. This one's yeah. from Cubbies31. Hi, Greg, Mark, Kerry, and Carlos. Sounds like famous Cubs pitchers. This is a very general question. Should I drop Rowan Wick for another closer? 
He doesn't specify which, but let's throw some fringy <laughs> names out there uh, for Rowan Wick. Uh, Cole Solser, Andrew Miller, Ryan Presley, any of the Angels. Where would Rowan Wick rank among that list, Scott? I think I'd, I think I'd prefer Presley. And that might be the only one I prefer, though. You know, Wick could Wick could run out of usefulness very soon here, with uh, Kimbrel seemingly turning things around. It's just that I have no confidence in Solser, Miller, or especially Ty Buttry to keep their jobs. And I don't have that much in Presley either. But I think there's a better chance for him. This one's from Cannon Four Twenty Team Dynasty League Head to Head Categories with Batting Average and OBP. Give. Clayton Kershaw and Gavin Lux for Mike Clevenger and Ozzy Albies. 20 team dynasty league. I would do that provided. I mean, obviously if you're doing that, it's a future minded deal. Cause you don't know, you don't know when Clevenger or Al- Albies are coming back. You don't know when Lux is coming up either, but you know, you got an ace in the hole in Kershaw a bird in the hand, I should say, in Kershaw. And, you know, so if you're, if you're winning now, uh, this might not be the move to make. But if you're thinking long-term, I'd rather have Clevenger and Albies than both Kershaw and Lux because Clevenger is younger than Kershaw, and, of course, he's going to be back pitching for somebody next year for sure. And Albies is a proven stud already, and we, we still don't know what Gavin Lux is going to be. He certainly has stud potential, but he could... He could flounder. Yes. I I would take the Clevenger and Ozzy Albee's side as well. I thought that one was pretty easy, especially with the dynasty context. Like Kershaw's very good, but he's also getting up right. there in age. This one's from Flash 8668, 5x5 Roto with OPS instead of steals for outfielders. Now, the caveat is he asked this, I believe it was on Sunday. So let's hindsight is 2020, Scott. So Wait, you just said caveat. Caveat. I've always said caveat. Caveat. Is that is that caveat. like a regional distinction, or do you, do, was one of us just saying it wrong? I'm sure I would go with me saying it wrong. You know, <laughs> the host of a podcast. It's not like I know how to speak English or anything. It's fine. All right. But if anyone That's wants fine. to reach out to us on Twitter and let us know how you're supposed to say caveat or caveat, please let us know. Caveat sounds fancier. Caveat. But I think it's wrong. Damn. I traded Joey You're Gallo. wrong, Frank. <laughs> I traded Joey Gallo for Ross Stripling on Sunday to have Ross Stripling for Monday's start against the Mariners. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> um, uh, even yeah. in a vacuum, this is why I... I th- here's what I'll say. Get to us before you make a trade. I try to answer us. I try to answer as many of the questions seriously. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. I try to answer as many of the questions as I possibly can. I, I'm just in there all the time, all day long, just answering questions. Send us a trade, your trade before you hit accept. Don't tell us, you know, what you did after the fact. Send the trade and see if we would do it. Because even before Monday's blow up, I'm mm-hmm. sure Scott and I would have said that we would rather have Joey Gallo in a vacuum over Ross yeah. Stripling. So that's yeah. the one thing that I will say is. Reach out to us first before you make a trade. But I uh, appreciate everyone dropping your five-star Apple podcast reviews and sending in questions as well. Some bullpen notes from Thursday, Scott. Ryan Presley entered up three runs, and he allowed one hit and one run. He converted the save ultimately, so he wasn't clean, but 
He got the save. So that's fine. Hector Neris entered in game two of the doubleheader on Thursday with the score seven to six. He then had two errors behind him. The game was tied on a wild pitch, and then he gave up a two-run single. So if Hector Neris didn't have bad luck, I don't think he would have any luck at all. Yeah, and that bullpen has been a disaster this year. So Gross. I don't know where else they'd turn. It's terrible. Uh, the yeah. one name that I would pay attention to, I, I don't know where he's at in terms of his rehab, is David Robertson. He has a history with Joe Girardi as well. I don't know if they just throw him right back into high-leverage situations, but they do have a history. So I'll just throw the name out there. Uh, Joe Jimenez entered the bottom of the eighth to get some work in on Thursday. He allowed four runs and three hits. He now has a 9.72 ERA. Not great, Joe. Bob. I I had to change it up. I think we use not great Bob too much. Rysel Iglesias had an absolute implosion on Thursday where he recorded one out, allowed two hits, three earned, one walk, and one strikeout. It was his, it was really his only bad appearance of the year, Scott. So I'm not really worried about Rysel Iglesias. Okay. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no reason to worry about Iglesias yet. I, I'm a little worried about Jimenez. I think maybe somebody like oh, it looks like he's gotten given up some runs recently. I was Gregory Soto, who has still has a sub one whip and the best K rate in the Tigers bullpen by far. I could see him emerging as the closer instead of Jimenez at some point. So Gregory Soto, name to remember. All right, Scott, I didn't leave you much time, so I apologize. But that's just what I do here on the podcast. In two minutes or less, what do you got for our week six preview? Any sleepers that you like in terms of hitters? Any single start stream pitchers? Hit us, week yeah. six. Yeah, so we talked about the two-star guys already. Uh, some one-start sleepers. Corbin Burns against the Pirates. I would definitely go out there with that one. Dylan Cease against the Royals. He has thrived against bad AL Central teams so far. I have no reason to think he won't continue to. Uh, those are really the only ones there. Hitters, let's talk about the best matchups. A couple of teams are playing eight games, the Reds and the Cardinals, though I don't really love the Reds matchups that much. Uh, best matchups in order. I go Rays, Cardinals, Blue Jays, Astros, and Diamondbacks. Worst matchups, I go Braves, who have just five games, Giants, Royals, Mariners, and Red Sox. I don't list the Yankees here, but we mentioned earlier, they have just five games too. Also, the White Sox have just five games. In terms of hitters, I'd recommend... Um, so Robinson Cano is still rostered in less than 70% of leagues. I can't imagine why anybody would send him this upcoming week. Jesse Winker, Ian Happ, they're hot hands. They have fine matchups. I think you might just ride them the rest of the season. Frankly, they're that good. Uh, the Blue Jays, I mentioned, they have the third best matchup. So Randall Gritchick, I'm not totally buying into him, but he's still available in nearly half of all leagues. I think he's a great sleeper for this week. Teoscar Hernandez, he's rostered in more leagues, but same would apply for him. Uh, if you want to go a little deeper into the hitter pool, looking for some sleepers, uh, I mentioned the Cardinals have the second best matchups, eight games, as I said. Matt Carpenter's been heating up and hit a grand slam. Was it today that he hit a grand slam Thursday or was it Wednesday? I believe it was on Wednesday. 
That he's starting. He's starting to heat up. I think Tyler O'Neill in a five outfielder league is an okay play, given the matchups. Um, Nick Solak, your guy. Yeah. I do like the Rangers matchups. Uh, the Rangers matchups this week are kind of middle of the road, but he's been he's been pretty consistent of late. He hit a second homer today. And I think he's a good sleeper for this week. Christian Walker, I like the Diamondbacks matchups. As Drupal Cabrera uh, with the Nationals, their matchups are pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's those are probably the highlights from the hitters. I, I haven't settled on exactly my top 10 sleeper hitters for week. What week is it? Week six? six? Yep. Week six. But you can obviously check them out cbssports.com extra extra read all about it hitters to dominate in week six and if you're wondering about the rockies they play seven games the next week and three of those are at home against the padres so again in deeper leagues rymel tapia if you're desperate in a five outfielder league a name i would look at and the padres on the other side three games in course fields they have three other games so they play six total uh, a few other names that stood out to me, Scott. Travis Shaw mentioned we like the Blue Jays. Uh, I thought the Nationals have some pretty good matchups. They go up against the Phillies and Red Sox, who don't really have great pitching. I mean, outside of yeah. Aaron Nola. Um, but they have seven games. So as Dribble Cabrera, Luis Garcia in a deeper league as well. You mentioned the Cardinals. Um, hitters with five games that you might want to bench. Pay attention to the Yankees, because it wouldn't surprise me if they try and schedule some of those remakes with the Marlins can uh, with the Mets because they have so many days off. So that might happen, but pay yeah. attention. Um, Encarnacion plays five games next week. I think you could bench him. Mike Talkman, Aaron Hicks hasn't really been great. Gio Urshela maybe in a shallower league. Um, Clint Frazier and then Christian Pache because the Braves only have five games. That's a really good point you brought up. Well, Pache would be a big roll of the dice, but that's a really good point you brought up with the Yankees and, and making up those games with the Mets because they're scheduled... Those games for this weekend have been canceled, but th those two teams are scheduled to face each other next weekend too. So it'll be really easy to make that like a five-game series if if the Mets are cleared to play by then. Alrighty, that'll do it. Another week is in the books. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.